0: I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. I would also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Guarantee Commercial Title. Guarantee offers a new platform for the delivery of services based on the expertise and ingenuity of a visionary team of title professionals that identifies obstacles and creates solutions that result in a successful sale, construction, or financing of commercial real estate. To learn more, visit Guaranteetitle.net. The CEO of Sunrise Banks, David Ryling, was recently named Chair of the Global Alliance for Banking on Values, the world's premier value-based banking organization. Ryling is succeeding Peter Blom, who founded the GABV, and served as chair since its creation in 2009. It's made up of 66 financial institutions across Asia, Africa, Australia, Latin America, North America, and Europe, the combination of which serves more than 70 million customers and holds more than $200 billion in combined assets under management. In leading the GABV, Riling plans to continue furthering the organization's social and environmental impact as well as sustain and recruit new members. In this interview with reporter Kelly Bush, Ryling talks about how he sees an opportunity to grow value-based banking in the United States, especially with a new generation of bankers and non-bankers who are more socially conscious.
1: Well, thanks for joining me today, David. Um, the reason we're speaking is because you were recently named Chair of the Global Alliance for Banking, banking Values. So, congrats on the role. When do you start?
2: Thank you, Kelly. Uh, I start right now.
1: <laughs> Ready <laughs> so go. Yeah. And so how's it been going so far?
2: Well, we're off to a good start. So Sunrise actually hosted uh, the GABV, so the Global Alliance for Banking on Values Conference. We have an annual conference. And maybe just to give you a little uh, feel for that, last year it was in Bern, Switzerland um, at this time. Uh, the year before we were in Peru, we've been to the Netherlands, uh, we've been to Nepal. And so uh, the meeting goes around the globe um, and there's a host bank who's a member. And this year, uh, as we went digital with COVID, uh, Sunrise hosted this annual event virtually and uh, quite fun from the standpoint of you might think, wow, a virtual annual event. How fun can that be? Well, we (laughs) started at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday and went uh, 49 hours continuous content uh, until Thursday at 9 a.m. Um, wow. just because we had obviously everybody uh, on this call basically span the globe in terms of time zones. And mm-hmm. so we had two different hosts and we had content mm-hmm. uh, going throughout the night and the morning and uh, it turned out great. It was super mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. And so that's also when I took the, the role at the end, um, we had a little ceremony of, of the founding chair stepping down and I was elected to be the new chair of the Alliance.
1: Great. Great, well, that conference sounds like a ton of fun and I'm sure it had a ton of content. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the role. What does the role entail?
2: Yeah, so as the the chair of the board of the GABV, um, basically my role is to work with the secretariat, uh, the staff, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, um, of the GABV in terms of really the the movement of values-based banking and and moving it forward. And the uh, Alliance has been growing Um, boy, steadily, actually really healthy in the past three and four years. And so it's to continue that growth and really to continue the movement of values-based banking in terms of looking for uh, more banks and and cooperatives, we'll call them credit unions in the United States, um, around the globe that have um, a social and environmental focus uh, to their business of banking or finance. And so these are regulated financial institutions uh, pretty much on every continent except uh, for Antarctica. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that space, um, so we engage with banks uh, all over the world and uh, social impact in South America looks slightly different than a social impact, let's say in, in Palestine or Afghanistan. Um, and it looks different here in the twin cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. And so, But there's, there's connectivity and connections uh, throughout that as well as learnings. So um, maybe understanding what's going on in the Bank of Afghanistan, you might say, well, how is that applicable to what's going on here in Sunrise Banks in, in Minneapolis? Um, the fact there's, there's still um, access to financial services um, is still an issue in Afghanistan as it is here. Um, and Afghanistan might, might be more focused towards uh, women um, in terms of getting access to the financial system. Here, the focus will be on, let's say, un- and underbanked people who do, who haven't uh, participated or got a bank account. And so, while slightly different, the business models and the strategies that are implemented, uh, you can learn from one another. And sometimes, um, boy, it takes a little of my complaining out when I hear of what's going on in, in places, particularly like a war-torn area like Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I whine a little bit less uh, being a banking or in <laughs> yeah. a regulated yeah. institution. Of so. But it is really interesting to see a model, for example, uh, Brac Bank in Bangladesh. Um, if you can imagine 7,000 bankers or lenders going out on scooters every day, making loans and collecting loans in cash, and somehow it all comes back every day at the end of the day and they have to balance the bank much like we do here. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really different model and a really fascinating one. Correct? Um, as much as that's a very close and hand to hand. They also have the second largest mobile banking uh, technology and platform in the world. And so really something to learn on the digital space there. But again, different business models and uh, I as the chair in my role, um, I get to herd all these cats if you will, Mm -hmm. but it's really bringing the Alliance together and highlighting what these uh, various banks and and cooperatives are doing, and then sharing with that and looking for uh, other members globally Um, Now we're really looking to expand in Africa um, and uh, we have a a foothold with uh, two financial institutions there and looking to grow that chapter.
1: Okay. Okay. Great. So do you see the Alliance's role as being one of a connector or more of a support system? I'm I'm curious how you view that.
2: Yeah, I really think of it as a champion for values-based banking. And so, and that, and that means many things, but I would say primarily it's, it's not only, finding and developing member banks of the organization um, that qualify Um, but it's also taking a stand and being part of a movement in in the leadership in both uh, i'll say um, the social and environmental aspects of banking and so how a bank impacts the social fabric of the communities that we serve um, as well as the environment and so it's really in those two uh, kind of main platforms if you will. That the GABB speaks out on how banks can do good in those areas um, and looking at finance from a lens of to the benefit of the customer as opposed to the benefit or the profit maximization of the institution.
1: Mm -hmm. So to follow up on one thing you just said, so how does the GABB hope that banks make an impact in their communities? You know, what's that, what does the ideal impact look like?
2: Yeah, so the ideal impact I I think is twofold. one is, is in that uh, social aspect, and I would probably put this into a term maybe not heard here so in the US so much or in North America, and that is the real economy. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't about high-flying derivatives and contracts and so forth. This is about access to the financial services uh, that are convenient, easy to use, fairly priced, um, and, and people can actually achieve their goals of whether it's home ownership or buying a car um, building their assets, having savings to be resilient. In and, and that word, I think uh, resilient from the social side of things has really shown itself in the COVID world that we live in, as well as some of the events like we saw in Texas this year in terms of, you know, uh, a freezing or a weather event. Um, it's usually those folks who are least resilient. In a lot of cases, those are uh, people who uh, have less means are the ones impacted the most. And so Mm -hmm. how can we help them get them in a position to be more resilient in times of of need? The other half of the alliance in terms of what it means to be impactful is really around uh, climate and environment. And so, and what is a bank's role in that? So banks obviously are the keepers of money as well as the lenders of money. And so where we choose to lend money has influence on on carbon and its emissions and in our climate ultimately. And so we're a part of the system of of carbon emissions. And so it's taking that responsibility as to what part should we be responsible for as we finance companies. Um, And uh, it's in that is how do we measure ourselves and how are we doing? And so the first step in, in both of these two is metrics around uh, climate and carbon emissions. So for example, Sunrise is a part of a group of 27 measuring our loan portfolio and what our carbon footprint is in our loan portfolio. So we're in the process of doing right now. And then we'll benchmark that against the, the uh, Paris climate agreement and see how we are doing. Um, I wish I could tell you results. I don't have them today. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but we're, we're really focused on what are those metrics look like? You may even find in time that metrics that come out of studies like this, find their way into regulatory regimes around the world as to what banks do much like a community reinvestment act is in in, in America's uh, regulatory scheme. You may find some type of climate regs down the road. Um, We're also working on, and it's a difficult project of social metrics. So as I mentioned before, social impact in South America is different than in Bangladesh, and and so it's really how do we frame up metrics around social impact to really measure um, what's a benchmark for for good performance, great performance, exceptional, etc. So social and environmental uh, is really the two focus, and again real economy and measuring climate.
1: Okay, Great. Well, that's interesting. Thank you. Um, So let's pivot now to chat a little more about your new role. So how do you hope in your new role as chair, how do you hope to further the GIBB's mission and goals?
2: Yeah. So uh, mine is one of a bit of a figurehead uh, in a lot of cases. So I will, um, much like we're doing today, I do a fair number of podcasts. I have a podcast of myself called The Next Gen Banker. And and so part of that is the platform in which to um, talk about values-based banking and really promote it uh, globally. And so I believe I will find myself if my uh, predecessor's schedule um, was any indication, I will find myself in different places uh, around the globe speaking on uh, values-based banking and the issues that surround it. And probably particularly uh, in the host country or host region of of what's the, the topic of the day there. Um, I do see my other role as encouraging financial institutions to begin a journey of of values-based banking. A lot of them have some basic elements already, um, particularly if you think of the community banks um, right here in Minnesota. Um, Most of them are so engaged in their community in one way, shape or form, the social impact is almost what they do as a part of their mission every day of serving their customers in their community. Um, it's then maybe taking the next step or even learning uh, and sharing different ideas about both social impact as well as uh, climate change and environmental impact with them and kind of taking them along the journey um, and developing them. And so I think in the U.S. particularly, there's a huge opportunity for us um, in which to grow values-based banking. Mm -hmm. And I say that from a standpoint of I look at younger generations of bankers coming up. And I won't just say bankers, I'll, I'll say in all industries, because I, I have a tendency to communicate with a lot of folks who are like, you know, I'm in insurance, um, how can we be more socially responsible? Or how can we think of climate change in the insurance industry? Or uh, I'm in a manufacturing company, how can I think of this? And so a lot of the same tools kind of apply across industry. Um, but the fact is, I think uh, my role as the chair is really about developing the next generation of bankers and banks um, that are both sensitive to the fact of how to make impact that's socially responsible, if you will, or conscious to the communities that you're in, as well as how do we participate in being the solution around climate and climate change?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a tall order, but it sounds like yeah. it's something that you're <laughs> that you're pretty <laughs> passionate about. So I kind of wanted to to pivot here and ask about. Um, So you have all these passions and, you know, you're now chairperson, you're chairperson of this uh, major institution. How does that impact Sunrise Banks?
2: Yeah, so it does. uh, It actually brings us out of the closet a little bit in terms (laughs) of we've always had uh, a a strong local footprint in terms of our branches and engagement with the community and volunteering and so forth. Um, What a lot of people don't know is the other half of our business is very much national in scope. Uh, in partnering with financial technologies, uh, financial technology companies who do good in some way. Um, I actually wrote a book called FinTech for Good. And some of the the FinTechs I see out there making a huge difference in terms of uh, impact on either, uh, well, uh, basically on on people to get access to the financial system or to improve their credit score or to improve their savings. Um, And so one That's that aspect. And in that same kind of digitally connected world, uh, we have a global presence as well. And actually Minnesota has a long history of being a global center. Um, And maybe it started out, uh, I don't know if you know the history of Pipestone, but it it is a place where uh, indigenous people for thousands of years came because the Pipestone itself, uh, they use that stone to create a peace pipe. And so indigenous tribes came from all over what is now US or North America in which to congregate there to create their pipes. And it was a place of peace. Now we also see um, Minnesota's agriculture being exported. Um, Minnesota has a huge impact uh, in regards to it, its global presence. And so uh, we're just a part of that um, in terms of our service of, to immigrants, remitting money. Um, it's, we're connected in so many different ways there. and so. Financial services is, is a piece of kind of almost all of that in some way, shape, or form. I mean, if you think of the Mayo Clinic, um, it, they have a, uh, obviously their headquarters are here. Uh, Abu Dhabi is another uh, place where they have a hospital. So there's just so many connections from a, from emanating from Minnesota. And I think Sunrise, it's our opportunity to kind of show how we're connected to the globe, but also promote uh, that global connection. Um, in, You know, in a lot of cases, a bank in the U.S. is very similar as a bank in Europe, as a bank in South America, as a bank in Asia. And so there's a lot of similarities there. And I think as we begin to think um, maybe on a little bit higher level, how do we connect um, and leverage this network of of global banks that want to be socially conscious, that want to be environmentally conscious to do good and not only heighten the presence of, of that values, but how do you do business in a way that we can do it on a global scale. And so it's, it's really starting, I'll say from the acorn side, I really see the oak tree at the end in terms of the power of a global network.
1: Mm-hmm. And so how does Sunrise utilize value-based banking?
2: Yeah, so we kind of live it day in and day out. So it's both um, intentional and integrated into our business model. Um, I, I would say the vision, mission and values of, of Sunrise are embedded in its policies, procedures, and people. Um, We hire as well as fire people based on values. Um, If you fit the values of Sunrise, this is an awesome place because you come to work and you live those values every day. You don't leave them at home. And so we go from vision, mission, and values embedded into the governance, the policies, the procedures, the people. And then um, I'm a huge believer in, in metrics. You measure what you treasure. And the fact is, is we measure a lot of things, both quantitative and qualitatively uh, in terms of our impact. But there's one more leg to the stool of that. You know, data is great, but it can be kind of boring. Um, What makes the data come alive is the stories of really hope and opportunity that the data represents. So when you help somebody get their first home, their first car, I can't tell you through the PPP program, the heartwarming emails and letters we've received from micro businesses and small businesses that this was a lifeblood for them. That that emotional paycheck is really what you put the blood, sweat, and tears and in, in, in for. Um, and so I, I have a term called the double paycheck in a bank like Sunrise uh, in a values-based bank. And that is you get a financial paycheck to earn a living, um, but also you get an emotional paycheck. And that's really, I think, the difference between values-based banking in, in what you see here at Sunrise.
1: Okay, great. Thank you, that was interesting. Um, to pivot to our last topic here, which is the COVID's impact on the industry. So this is a sure. big, broad question, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you can tackle it. How has COVID impacted the banking industry?
2: Yeah, wow. So um, I have a little story, maybe a transition between the GABV and, and that question of how yeah. COVID impacted the banking industry. So a year ago, I was in Bern, Switzerland at the annual meeting of the GABV Mm -hmm. and listening to my colleagues from Italy who didn't know if they could get home because the train going through Milan stopped um, because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so it was a real awakening to me um, early on of what COVID was going to look like. So when I landed back here, we immediately went into action in terms of Making a plan and executing on a plan to go remote, to close down branches, to limit hours in exposure, and so really a, a learning bringing forward. Um, COVID on the financial on the banking industry in general. Um, I'll, let me take it from a little bit of a U.S. perspective, but you see this globally as well. Mm-hmm. So interest rates, um, you know, as a result of COVID, uh, the Fed lowers rates to near zero. You'll find rates at zero around the world pretty much except for South America. Um, And in Europe you'll see negative interest rates which is really a fascinating thing from a banking uh, industry, but not necessarily a good one. (laughs) Um, So the margin compression. So the pressure on earnings from a bank just because of lower interest rates between what they pay out on deposits and what they charge on loans has become very thin. And so as a result, you see some types of cost reductions um, in the banking industry you'll see the closing of branches or cutting a staff and overhead in which to right size, if you will, the organization. And so that's one thing that we see today, but we'll, I think we'll see more of the longer we're in a low interest rate environment. The other aspect is just the massive amounts of liquidity that are in the market. Um, and again, there's a difference between, I'll say the global North and the global South, um, but the fact is, is liquidity, particularly in the US is abundant. And so, That not only means from a banking side that there's more competition for loans and good loans um, and and pressure on those interest rates coming down even further. They're fairly stable uh, as of right now, but again, speaks to that margin compression and competition for good loans. It also means in a lot of cases, and slightly I'll, I'll say in the investment banking world is more mergers and acquisitions. So there's a lot of money looking for yield out there, whether it's in the form of a loan or in, in the acquisition of a, of a company or a merger or something like that. So um, M&A I think will be hot for a while just because of the liquidity. Maybe I'll take a, a step down a little bit from kind of the macro economics of banking. Um, you know, what we've seen in COVID in terms of changing the banking industry is just an acceleration of, of digital. Now digital was moving fast as it was, and you can think of online and mobile, but digital in terms of FinTech is is just lightning fast. It, the speed is incredible. And so we, we really have, we saw online and mobile and e-payments deposits and in, in, in electronic transactions just skyrocket as a result of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, the digital impact is even deeper. Obviously everybody went remote. So we've, we're figuring out how to do business remote um, and we've, we're doing things that we've never done before. So obviously things like DocuSign where you're signing documents electronically is now becoming ubiquitous in almost everything. Um, Digital notarization. So something as mundane as a notary when you can't meet with somebody, you have to do and have a protocol in which to do that. And I think I I remember doing this for the first time with a law firm and they're like, you're only our second client to ever get notarized digitally. And so it's just in this space where we're really learning how to to do business remotely, whether it's selling or you know processing payments, obviously you gotta keep the lights on and keep moving money and keep the technology working. And so it does require some people to intersect there. Um, you know, Again, our, our real heroes, our tellers have been on the line, our bankers have been in branches all along. And so um, the fact is, is it really helped, I think banking in general, focus on how important everybody is in the organization and the role that they play. Um, I will tell you this, the other aspect of this, and again, I'm kind of tying two bridges together here a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, banking in a COVID world in a values-based bank world um, has really opened our eyes to more so the haves and the have-nots um, as to how, this, how COVID and the results of its impact on the economy has affected people who have means and those who don't. <clears throat> and so as a result of that, it's really, I go back to that word resilience. Uh, those who have the least resilience are the most affected. And so, again, a PPP and its impact on small businesses. Um, boy, I think we, we're still going to see a significant issue arise in the housing uh, arena, particularly in rental housing. Obviously, there's back rent that's owed in, in so many different places, which impacts the landlord's mortgage to a bank. And so, how do we reconcile that? What types of innovation can we bring to that, um, to that space in which to help everybody involved kind of work through the glut of rent that's owed? Um, you know, the, the other thing that I think we've all experienced banking and non is the need for great Wi-Fi and broadband connection, right? How many times have we said, oh, you're stuck or you fall off a Zoom call or Teams because you don't have connectivity. Um, that's just another great example of a have and have not or urban and rural. Um, I have a funny example that. In our, in our conference, we had an economist from Paraguay, and he just happened to be on at seven o'clock at night his time, and we had difficulty with his connectivity. And in talking with him, he said, you know, it, it's not, it's to be expected. He goes, it's seven o'clock here. Everybody came home from work, and they're downloading Netflix, and it takes the whole bandwidth of the country
1: down. Yeah. Sure. And
2: so wow. where we think of, oh, you know, my, my bandwidth in my office or my house isn't working. This mm-hmm. is an entire country that gets mm-hmm. impacted by things. So um, COVID, I think it's in, in its impacts uh, on banking will be long lasting. Some will be good. Others will expose opportunities for improvement.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, well, David, I think that was everything I wanted to ask about. So was there anything else you'd like to add in or mention?
2: No, first of all, I'd just like to thank your audience and thank you, Kelly, for the opportunity to be with you today.
1: Yeah, and I appreciate your time, so thank you for that, and enjoy the rest of your day.
0: Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce, or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shatler, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.